I preached a few weeks back uh, on the first two verses. I want to read those, but I want to read down through verse 8. And we're talking about being able to personally and directly serve Jesus Christ. I think that's the goal that all of us should see for our lives, that as we're in the body, that what we want to do personally and directly is to serve the Lord. So Paul writes in chapter 12, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given to me, I say to you, every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body and with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is in serving, let him serve. If it is in teaching, let him teach. If it is in encouraging, let him encourage. If it's in contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is in leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is in showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Now again, Paul is writing to the church in Rome. The idea that Paul has, knows, is that if he changes Rome, he changes the entire world. If he affects Rome, he affects the history and the future of the world. Paul knew this. So none of these words that he has put together for us here are in any way haphazard. Now, we're talking today about serving Jesus Christ personally and directly, and that's what we should seek for ourselves. Now, in, in this, in the verses 3 and 4, Paul talks to us about the need that we each one have to know who we are. And so he's saying, by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, Paul knows that he has been the recipient of a certain measure of God's grace to uh, carry on his ministry as an apostle. Now, it's interesting, as he makes his list down here later of the various gifts, he doesn't include apostles. And you say, well, why didn't he do that? He does it in other places. There was no apostle in Rome. <laughs> That's, there wasn't any need to address that. He hadn't come there. Peter hadn't come there. And so he begins with prophets. But Paul was given the grace to be an apostle, and he functioned that way. So he says to us, we need to think of ourselves rightly, not more highly than we ought to think. We should think with a sober judgment 
with a measurement in accordance with the measure of faith. And, and so, you know, he's saying here, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Romans thought the most important people were Romans, Roman citizens. They were the rulers of the world. And so to be a Roman was to have a sense of preeminence in the structures of society. It got you certain places that other people couldn't ever attain to. Now, in contrast, one of the other major bodies in the church were the Jewish people. And the Jewish people, for, to this day, I mean, all you've got to do is go to where I grew up in Palm Beach County, and, and it's just filled up with Jewish people. And if you, you talk to them, there is nothing that can be compared with being a Jew. Being a Jew is uh, to, to be the apple of God's eye. That's the way the Old Testament scripture speaks of them. And they saw themselves this way. It, but the danger is, is when any group of people see themselves that way, then it's going to have a negative impact upon a healthy church environment. And so he says you've got to have a proper estimation of yourself and then this word faith comes in, the measure of faith. Now in a contemporary way we could take somebody from the past, take Paul, say pretty important Christian, we could say Billy Graham, certainly a man during our lifetime has probably held more sway uh, than anybody else in the sense of people's thinking about a Christian leader. And then we could put ourselves in there. And we could say, wow, I kind of maybe feel out of place. Well, what did Paul say about himself? He was an apostle, but he was also the chief of, yeah. Well, I, I can relate to that. You can probably relate to that. Paul says, no, you couldn't relate to what I've done. Now, on the same way, Billy Graham, Billy Graham would just tell you over and over again, who am I? Why, I'm a sinner saved by grace. <laughs> yeah. Now, if, if we come to the table this way, if we all come to the table this way, and we say, where is our responsibility to consider who we are? What is it that is going to keep us from any person feeling that they are somehow in a, a superior or significant cog in the wheel? It's, it's by coming and looking at it and saying, no, all of us have been saved by faith in Jesus Christ. We've been called by him equally to whatever purpose that he's called us to. And, and so when we look at this, there's got to be a level of what he calls sound judgment. <clears throat> Just simply, sound judgment would tell us that none of us are apostles. That, that ought to be fairly simplistic. Uh, Paul was an apostle. He was called to be an apostle. We're called to be something, but we know it's not to consider ourselves as an apostle. Now I think that would help you as you begin to understand God has called you to do something. But what is it? And we need to think about that. Now 
having been in a church and having gone to a number of churches uh, over a four to five year cycle of time in which I was called to come in because the pastor left and the church was in some sense in trouble. They needed some stability and I would come into that church. And a lot of times where there was trouble in the church, you would find a violation of this principle. That's what you would find. That there was somebody or some group of people that thought that what they did, what they gave, what they thought, that that was the way things should be. And whenever you have that, you've got an unhealthy situation. We need to understand that we've been called. We're not called to be an apostle. We're called to be something, and we're to have sound judgment about it, and we're about to be about doing those things. Paul lists a number of these things down here. So we should ask ourselves, what is it that I've been called to do? Now, a number of years ago, I was starting out in the church in Milledgeville. By the way, I've made a little note here in my, my notes. If you're ever a romantic type of guy, and I'm, you may, or gal, you may not have thought I ever was one, but in fact, there was some of that way back when. And, and my wife put a kibosh on it, by the way. When we got engaged, she said, no more flirting, thank you. But uh, she liked the flirting when, well, you understand. But I've got all those girls compartmentalized. You know, when I think of the girls that I dated when I was 20, how old do they look in my mind today? Like they're what? 20. I've never seen them again. They're probably thinking, good, <laughs> you know. Pray for Pat. <laughs> All right, so when I use an illustration, I have to think of the person the way I knew them. But here comes, as you would expect, me to a car lot. And here's a guy named Jack. And I start talking to Jack. He's just moved back to Milledgeville, Georgia. I've used him as an illustration on a number of occasions for different things. But he began to come to the church. He was basically a two, three-year-old Christian. But he came to me and he said, I've become a Christian. Where can I serve Jesus? That was his question. Well, I took him out to the women's prison in Milledgeville. I had just been asked to begin a Bible study there, and I would go out, I think it was on a Tuesday evening, go through the process of getting through the gate, and we'd get into a room, and there'd be 20, 25 women that were incarcerated by the state. So I took Jack out there. Jack watched me lead a small group. After a couple weeks, I said, now next week, you can lead the small group. 
we got done with the small group, got in the car and headed home, he, his wife, and I, and he said, how did that go? I said, Jack, I'm sure there were more mistakes that you could have made, but I'm not sure right now that I could think of any more. And, and he says, it was that bad? He says, I said, it was terrible. I said, well, I mean, you know, you're into therapy. I'm trying to help these women get a Bible study. You see, you and me are not on the same page. You want Jack to feel good. Really not interested in Jack feeling good. I want him to be a good teacher. So no, oh, that's what I told him. Now, we went home, and he went ahead and prepared a Bible study. The next, later in the week, I met with he and his wife there in their home, and he went through the Bible study. I gave him a couple points, and I said, if you do what you're do here, doing now, you'll have a good Bible study. We went back out to the prison. He led the Bible study. We got in the car, and he said, how do we do? I says, you'll never see me again. If you can do this every week like this, and he has become singularly one of the best small group leaders I've ever been around in my life. Now, the point is, you should want, I should want, to find a place where we can serve Jesus by serving his sheep directly and personally. That's, that's what this is saying. And again, I want to be careful to say, this text doesn't say, that group over there and not this group over here. It says every single one of us. That's what the text is saying, not me. Now, the second thing that we want to see in this is found in verses 4 and down towards the end of, towards the end of verse 6. But it's simply that no one can do it all, and we need one another. And we've got to be careful to understand that, that principle as it's fleshed out here. He says, just as there's one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body. Each is a member and belongs to the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. And then he goes on and begins to divide what that means. Now, we have a simple body that, I mean, it may not seem like that to you, but in reality, we have a very simple body. Today, you did whatever it took from the time consciousness came to you to right now to be here. And in reality, you did not have a war to get here. You didn't have your right foot saying, I don't want to go. No. You didn't have a pinky finger saying, I don't like this. No. You've got a head and you've made some decisions and some commitments and we move simply together the whole body to where we are right now. Now, the church is to be in an analogy of that. We're to be a simple body, not a complex body, not a body with rebellion. And the head is Christ, and Christ is directing the body, 
In the body, as we're asking this question, Lord Jesus, how can I serve you directly and personally? Now, a shout out to Don. What was the guy's name in Columbia? Bert? Brian. So here, Don's been in contact with somebody from our mission that we're working with in Haiti. And somehow he met Brian on the phone, and Brian knows that I'm here and used to be one of those pastors that was at the church for 14 months over there in, in Columbia, South Carolina. Now, Brian's situation was he was a member of First Presbyterian Church, Columbia, South Carolina. But so was so many of the people in his own family, and they were they are all tremendously committed Christian people. And Brian just basically said, A, this church doesn't need any more of my family's influence in, in it. And B, if I'm ever going to have the kind of influence in serving Christ that my family's had, I'm going to have to go to a different church. And so for that reason, he came to this church in Irmo, South Carolina, and as soon as I met this Brian and met his wife, I just thought to myself, this is a couple that wants to serve Jesus. And here he is probably, I make his, I'm going to guess him at 34. He, check that out. But I think Brian's 34, and now he is the, the head of a board of a mission organization that's working in Haiti. We can't do everything, and we need one another. And various people have various responsibilities, but all of us are called to do something. Let me just jump in and say this real quick. We are being preached to in ways that does not satisfy the church and challenge the congregation. And many times this is because we're focused on Romans chapters 1 through 11. And the message of Romans chapters 1 through 11 is redemptive. And so what we're dealing with over, the time, over week after week after week is the redemptive message of the scriptures. That's what we're doing. Now... The message of the scriptures is redemptive, okay? But it's also ethical. It's about duty. It's not about opportunity. It's not about 